When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, guys? Welcome to a brand new podcast. Continue to take a little bit of a lap around the Matt Campbell coaching staff is the goal. Thanks to linebackers coach Tyson Vite for joining us last week. Got a couple more of these that are in the works that should be here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network in the next week or so. Today's podcast brought to you by Cyclone Fanatic Premium and Cyclone Fanatic Patreon members. You can be an insider as well. Sign up for the premium message board where we have all sorts of great information being pumped out all the time or the very similar, the actually the same content uh, by being a Cyclone Fanatic Patreon member except those updates come straight to your email. With that, today's podcast is with Derek Hudger. Derek Hudger is a longtime Iowa State staffer who has a fascinating story as he as to how he got here. Derek Hudger is basically, I mean, I want to say he's, he's, he's the recruiting guy. Organizes it all. He is um, integral into Iowa State football recruiting. The director of player personnel is Derek's official title. Uh, he was with the Paul Rhodes staff, and Matt Campbell retained him. Really fascinating guy. And what we talk about today are the changes in recruiting since Derek took over. We look ahead to some of the guys in the 2021 class that just signed. And uh, philosophies. If you're a recruiting nut, you're going to love this. If you love Iowa State football, you'll love it as well. If you like just good stories, Derek's got a good story coming from the uh, city of Lincoln, Nebraska, where he grew up a Cyclone fan in Huskerland. It's wild. Here's my interview with Derek Hudger, Iowa State football's director of player personnel. Uh, Derek Hudger's with me. The director of player personnel at Iowa State. Now you've been, um, I, Derek, I've known you since the Paul Rhodes years, and I, but I didn't ever really look into your background like too much. I always thought that you were an Iowa kid. You grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska. I didn't know that. I, I did. I did. So were you? Because I grew up in Western Iowa, and I wasn't a Nebraska fan, but. Man, I appreciated the Big Red. Like, my dad would take me over there and we watched Tommy Frazier. We were, again, we were not Nebraska fans, but we're just a college football family. So did you did you grow up when, like, the Huskers were winning titles and stuff? Were you in the area at that time? Yeah, so I, uh, I was born in Fort Dodge, Iowa, um, into a deeply entrenched Iowa State family. Um, so I moved to Lincoln when we were – I was almost six. Um, so I, I got okay. there – 98. Um, so I was there when they uh, played Miami in the, the last national championship game. But 
I grew up there from about 98 till 2010 when I left as one of the few but proud Iowa State fans. That's in great. So I, I was certainly at games there, and I saw a couple heartbreakers, and oh. I saw Iowa State here beating a couple times. But, yeah, I was I was there in, in 2009 as well. So um, I did grow up there, but I was not a Husker fan by any stretch of the imagination. That's difficult. I, I, you're going to, like, we could stop the podcast right now. You're already a fan favorite, the fact that <laughs> – you were an Iowa State fan growing up in Lincoln. That's really hard to do. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, and there wasn't a lot of us, but I was really fortunate. My dad still lived in the area. He's in Jefferson, so we would come back to games here all the time Okay, um, and drive over on, on Saturday mornings or Friday nights, and certainly whenever Iowa State came to Lincoln, we'd find a way to get in that stadium too. Yeah, a couple of memorable ones for me was the 2009. I mean, who could forget that? That's, that's one of, like, my great – cyclone memories and it always will be like no matter what happens until I die just being in that stadium backup quarterback backup running back like I mean Iowa State had no business winning that game and the you know um, just the turnovers and just it was so unlikely sitting in that stadium with my dad and then the 05 game is always one of the more painful games of my life it double overtime we lost over there yeah yeah, I was at that one too. So I, I do remember both of those. And 2010 was equally as painful back oh, here. The it, two point I was conversion. at that game as well. Yeah, man. And I always, I always defend Rhodes. I like Rhodes a lot. I, I always say if that, if that play goes differently, what did he? He goes to four bowl games in four years. Yeah, you can't hate the play call. They, they, you know, he's wide open, and sometimes it doesn't go the way you hope it goes. But it, it certainly appeared to be a good decision. Man. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so how did you get into where you're at now? Like, where did it where did it start? Yeah, so I was fortunate. I had um, a couple of connections to to the guys on Coach Rhodes' staff at that time. One being Courtney Messingham, and one being Luke Wells. Um, who, long story short, they kind of got my foot in the door, um, and I I spent my first semester of college as like an operations student assistant, um, just kind of helping with team meals and helping with random things throughout the office and use that to try to kind of get my foot in the door more on the coaching side of things and was a a defensive student assistant with Wally Burnham um, for three seasons then, which was absolutely awesome. And uh, right then, a little bit before I graduated, Coach Rhodes asked me if I wanted to be a GA. We had a job opening up. And uh, I certainly said yes, did that for the 2015 season. Um, I was really fortunate when Coach Campbell arrived to be able to be retained and uh, have kind of just tried to hang on since then. Well, you're an integral part of things behind the scenes, I know, when it comes to relationships and recruiting and all that stuff. Talk to me, before we get into that line of your work, I mean, that's really cool, though, that you grew up this – did you know you wanted to be in coaching? Like, I mean, or did this call kind of all like, cause when I went to Iowa state, I had no idea like, Oh, I want to run a cyclone website. Right. Like it kind of right. fell into me. Um, did you know, like that, are you doing what you wanted to do or how, or did this kind of just all happen? A little bit of both. Probably. I, uh, I knew I always wanted to be involved in sports um, and particularly football 
when I went to school, um, I, I was planning on becoming a high school teacher and a high school football coach. Um, and to be honest with you, getting offered a GA job straight out of being a student assistant kind of felt like irrational for me to even think of that being a possibility. And then when that opportunity presented itself, um, I thought it was too good to pass up. So I stuck around and did that. And then obviously at that point, my mind was more in the college realm and Mm -hmm. fast forward coach Campbell gets here and I hang on as a GA and then he's kind of building out this recruiting department. And at that point I was kind of in the mode of this guy's pretty awesome. And I think some pretty cool things are going to happen and I just want to be a part of it. Um, And so that's kind of how one thing has led to another. And I think you're always trying to figure out exactly where it's going to go. And so, no, I didn't know this is exactly what it would lead to, um, but I certainly wanted to be involved in football and I wanted to be around really good people. And um, I'm certainly fortunate to have that opportunity. All right. Now I take what I'm about to say as a compliment. Okay. Cause I, <laughs> I grew up reading and I grew up an Iowa fan. I'm sorry, but I'm clearly not anymore. Every, anybody who knows me knows that, but I grew up reading my uncle would get those like newspapers the before the internet, right. Where the recruiting thing. And then I would, it was called the voice of the Hawkeye back then. And then I'd take it in my notebook and I'd write down all the prospects and I'd have my own like big board, like as much as I could at the age of like 10. All right. You gotta be a little bit of a nerd to like that aspect of this, the recruiting sure. aspect. What do you love so much about it? Cause a lot of guys will do your role for like three, four years. And then I feel like they get burnt out and then they want to go on and do something else. What do you love so much about it? Yeah, I, I really like the kind of journey of trying to put together a team. Um, and certainly I'm more excited and interested in the end result. Um, I, I'm i not one of the recruiting guys that like signing day more than any game. Um, I certainly am doing this because I love football. Mm-hmm. Um, and But trying to put together a football team, um, especially at a place like Iowa State where you've got to be unique in, in so many different factors from – identifying to evaluating to certainly recruiting to retention. Um, I'm not per se involved with the development, but watching and observing that process. um, It's really fun to watch that all come together. So it is something that not a ton of people maybe do for a long time, but man, I'm really grateful to do it. Well, and I actually think too, it's got to help your job that you grew up an Iowa state fan, like coming here. I mean, like I, I interviewed Tyson the other day and, um, you know, he's passionate, but his passion goes back to when he got here. You were here when the end zone wasn't bowled in and right. Like you've seen oh, yeah. it from day one and you could talk to these guys about that. You're exactly right. And that it does make it really, um, enjoyable to be at a place that I love. Um, when I was a little kid, it was like a dream to be able to work at Iowa state. So certainly that is, something that helps me. And then it also, I've got all of that personal experience and so many things that I either observed or read about or heard about growing up and how that relates to modern day Iowa state and to be able to go and take a family through our stadium and through our facility and talk to them about what it looked like not very long ago, Mm -hmm. or to be able to talk about our campus and the growth that's occurred there, the town of Ames. And the most enjoyable part is to be able to share all those experiences right now when we're in certainly the greatest era of Iowa State football. And that's um, a really positive and exciting thing to be able to be a part of. No doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. All right. So 
we're both recruiting junkies, so let's get into I worked at Rivals for a while. I worked at Scout for a while. I kind of um, – I don't really know how they're doing it anymore. For a long time, I knew just enough about how they put recruiting rankings together to be dangerous. And with that, I've never really been a guy who – respects recruiting rankings too much because at one point when I was working for scout, I was in college literally over in Iowa city, like helping put on like a camp where I'm rating players. I had no business at all. (laughs) Brent Bloom and I were, it was crazy. Um, Having said that it, it has evolved a lot. You guys just signed the top class in the history of Iowa state football. If you go by the rankings, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I think um, I think you hit it on the head. The the folks that do those recruiting rankings, I certainly think that industry has progressed a lot. I do too, <laughs> um, and, and I do respect them. There's a lot of people in that world that that do a tremendous job. Um, so I think, based on that, it's certainly something we're proud of and we're excited about. Um, do we come to work every day with the goal to reach a certain capacity in the top 25 or whatever it may be. No, we don't. Um, our goal is to, to make sure we don't bring in a player that negatively influences our culture and make sure that every player that we can bring in or we do bring in can help us win football games. Um, and that looks a lot different ways. Like we knew um, Brees Hall was the best running back in the country and we were really excited about him. We also had a really good feeling that Mike Rose was going to be a really good player. Nobody knew who the heck he was. Um, and those stories go in a lot of different directions. So we're really excited about certainly the recruiting class being ranked the way it is. We think those guys deserve that recognition. Um, but we also know that four or five years from now, nobody's going to compliment us for recruiting that group. And nobody's going to compliment those guys for being highly ranked. Yeah. Unless the next four or five years look the way we want them to look. Yeah, so, cause It can be a blessing and a curse more so with basketball. It'd be right. like, Oh, he's the McDonald's. And if he doesn't, that can be used against the guy forever. So you, I, yeah. So it's kind of somewhere in the middle. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's a good starting point, but um, man, the 2018 recruiting class, I don't know exactly where that was fell in the recruiting rankings. There's a lot of really good football players in that group and um, the list goes on and on. And so that's, that's what we try to focus on um, is make sure we bring in the right type of guys who can help us win games and, I really do think we did that in this class, and that's what I'm most excited about for sure. Okay, so when we're building a recruiting class now, back in the day, I mean, I assume you have a scholarship chart, like when you're starting your career, when and you haven't, in the whole scheme of things, you haven't been doing this that long. I mean, it feels like you've been at Iowa State forever, and but you're really a young guy in this industry. Mm-hmm. But the industry's changed a lot since you got here. I would assume you have like your scholarship chart and your big board and all right, well, we got this guy for five years cause we're going to red shirt him and we're going to develop him and we'll play him as a junior and senior. Right. It doesn't really work that way anymore. Do you build classes differently now based on the transfer portal based on, you know, just how different everything is in that realm? Man, you do for sure. Um, and I think every year about this time, you've kind of have to have at least a guiding post of what you're hoping to take at each position. Um, but you can never just rest and assume that that's going to be what it is in the end, because like you said, the portal is what it is and you can lose guys in a hurry. Um, certainly guys 
can can become injured guys can go off to the nfl draft or guys can um, totally unexpectedly become a better player faster than maybe you were expecting so i think you we, we certainly still have that scholarship chart we still know yeah how many years guys have left um, it's only become more complicated with the COVID um, situation, allowing all of those guys who were playing at that during that time to have an additional year. Um, so you still use that as a guidepost, um, but man, you've got to be really flexible and fluid and constantly evaluating where you're at with the 85 scholarships, where you're at at each position group, as well as where you're at with the signing limit. Um, which is anywhere between 25 and 32 every year, depending on a couple of different factors. So there's a lot that goes into it and it's constantly trying to keep track of it. And the other thing that's changed is it's certainly not over at signing day anymore. No, um, you can really yeah. continue on throughout the entirety of the spring. The early signing period, that was such a big deal when it, when we got that early date in December um, now, and I, I was a big, fan of it at the time, I think watching how it played out this year, there was a lot of weird stuff that happened with coaching changes. This has been the craziest year ever with name, image, and likeness, all that stuff. Do you think it's, is it still a good thing for the student athlete to be able to do that? Or would we be better as a industry to move it back to January or something? It's a really interesting question. I think moving it to where it, it has gotten to um, benefits the majority of kids yeah, um, because I think it for the vast majority of guys by that date, they know where they want to go. Um, to be honest with you, their families has all these people coming in and doing home visits all week, every week. And it's just a stressor. Um, so I think in a lot of ways it has been beneficial. Um, I think it's had kind of unintended consequences throughout college athletics and, and kind of focusing on the coaching world as far as people, starting those coaching transitions during the season. And it's like, it doesn't even make sense. They're doing that to try to help speed up recruiting. When four or five years ago, those recruits are now seniors and you're just kind of throwing their season to the side. Um, exactly. So I think, yeah. I think that's a really negative unintended consequence. And um, would it be better to have one signing day and maybe have it be, in the middle to end of January rather than all the way back to February potentially. And I think those are things that all need to continue to be evaluated and talked about. But I certainly think the current model, while it helped in a lot of areas, the, the unintended consequences probably aren't sustainable in my opinion. That's yeah, that that's the name of the game right now. I feel like we're going to experience a lot of those unintended consequences across the board. So with that, has your, has the clock changed like the calendar significantly? Um, yeah. Talk me through that. Cause it, that, that you guys have like for the fans out there, don't, don't know the nitty gritty of all this stuff. There's certain dates you can call kids and there's certain dates you can't, there's certain dates you can be on the road, et cetera. How, yeah. how has the last year and a lot of these changes changed your clock as far as that? Um, it, it's pushed, pushed everything way up. So this time of year, Really, so September 1st of a young man's junior year is when we can start initiating regular communication. So um, certainly some kids prior to that, you get to know a little bit, but you can't text them. You can't really directly communicate with them. So really September 1 of the junior year, you get that process started. And 
by the time you get to January 1st, um, for the most part, you've signed your your senior class. And that's really for us when everything ramps up in the junior recruiting. Um, and then getting those guys on campus for unofficial visits, for junior days, for basketball games, for spring practices. And you'll start to see over the course of the next three or four months um, a, a a large amount of the 2023 recruits across the country start to commit. Um, and then for us, we, we do two big official visit weekends in June every year that have been really valuable for us. Um, and by the end of those weekends, um, our goal is, is usually to be about 75 to 80% done with our recruiting class as far as having guys committed to us and you obviously have to do a good job trying to continue to recruit those guys and what that does is allows us a little bit of wiggle room Mm -hmm. towards the uh as you get into the fall to evaluate off senior videotape which has been really um successful for us is to be able to take kids based on their senior videotape so it's really moved up whereas in years past when i first got into college football um you'd go into a season with perhaps zero commits one commit two commits and now when we kick off a football season, we've usually got 15 or more guys committed to us. Yeah, I mean, the and that's the majority of your class, like, right? Like, yeah. you, you don't sign much more than 20 very often. And that's pretty much all of college football kind of follows a similar trajectory. What about now as far as scholarship numbers go with transfers? Are, do you want to stash some? Where in the past maybe you didn't – how does that work? Because you know – or is it you know that there's going to be retention because you, you know – well, on average, we have three guys transfer. How, how do you yeah. how do you factor that? Yeah, our our goal is certainly um, to continue to to major, for lack of a better term, in high school recruiting. Um, and our goal for every high school recruit we sign is that they complete their eligibility here. Um, we think that's a better experience for the kid, and we think that's a better recipe for success for us. Um, with that being said, there, there are times where guys are going to transfer out and there's going to be situations arise that um, you're going to have to find someone to transfer in. And this year, for example, we knew, um, man, we were losing a lot of really good experience at linebacker. Um, we had some additional scholarships open up and it was probably mid-October that we said, man, we really need to make sure we hit on a a grad transfer linebacker. And so we had a spot and we knew we were going to go and try to find the best guy. And we think we found a really, really good fit in Colby to come and play that position. And same thing at defensive end. MJ wasn't a grad transfer, but we knew um, Zach Peterson was was moving on. Any was moving on. We were going to need a little bit of filler time there and find a guy who had some experience to come in and help. And MJ is going to be able to do that for us. So, it's, it's not like we don't say, hey, we're going to take five transfers at whatever position. We've really tried to target which positions we think we could use a kind of a um, someone to help bridge a gap between some departing seniors and some young guys that we have in our program and try to be really selective in that manner. Is it, it just seems to like the I, – I don't know if this is fair, You so I'll ask you. Is It feels to me like the majority of transfers transfer down. I mean – the ones you see on ESPN and stuff are the guys transferring maybe up a perceived level, yeah. but it, it seems like more will we'll go like from, you know, down to group of five or, or even yeah. FCS at that level. Is that accurate? I would certainly say the majority that would be true. And um, I mean, there's a good portion of guys who go in the transfer portal and don't find a home. Um, 
because you, you can only sign so many players each and every year and there's only so many scholarships and hopefully the, the majority of college athletics is still trying to build through high school players. Um, so I would say the majority probably do either not find a place or they transfer down. And now there's certainly guys that transfer up. There's certainly guys that, mm-hmm. that go to similar programs. And those are the guys that get, that get all the attention for sure. Um, but the, we always say that the transfer portal is not always a grass is always greener situation. Um, so hopefully kids are really starting to kind of get good information before they make that decision. Name, image, and likeness. This is – um, I mean, it's a, it's a bag of worms here. How are you dealing with it? And I liked it. How many kids do you bring in on junior day or that talk to you guys about that? Um, not, not many. Um, well, you guys can't do anything them. about it, but like, I don't think a lot of these players yeah. know that. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. So we, we can't really be involved with much of it at all. Um, we can try to provide education. Mm-hmm. We can try to assist in, in kind of building your brand and giving you content for your social media feed and helping educate you on on how to handle an interview or a podcast and things of that nature and how to present yourself publicly. Um, we can help educate people on how do you make money with social media? How do you look at a contract? How do you market yourself in the business world? There's all of those things that we can help with a little bit but we certainly can't be the agent. We can't mm-hmm. broker a deal and you can't use NIL as an inducement um, in the recruiting process. So it hasn't been a, a huge kind of trigger in the recruiting realm. It's come up a little bit here and there, um, but our focus is certainly on here's what your life five years from now is going to look like. If you come to Iowa state, you're going to get a real degree. You're going to be in a locker room where you're going to be surrounded by 130 guys that genuinely care about one another. You're going to have a coaching staff that's there for you far beyond the football field. You're going to have an incredible fan base. That's going to show up every Saturday. You're going to get your degree and it's going to be a meaningful degree. And we're going to do everything in our power to help you figure out what it is you want to do with your life and then go and start that journey the day you leave here. Um, knowing that this four or five years allowed you on the back end to get the best experience you could ever ask for rather than some schools are obviously talking about the front end of, cause you can't use NIL for recruiting inducements, mm-hmm. but it would, it would probably be naive to think that's not happening um, at other places. So that can be one strategy and our strategy is going to be more a little bit old school, honestly, of the next stage of your life is going to be a, a benefit if you did come here and did Brees and Brock and Mike have some of our guys received a little bit of NIL benefit? Sure. Um, and we want that to happen and, and we're fully supportive of that, but it's never going to be something that is the sales pitch. I don't think. No. And it's, I mean, it sounds like what you just described. It's business as usual. I mean, you guys aren't, Iowa State's never probably going to be, oh, we're have a top 10 class this year, right? right? Like to get into the top 25 was a major achievement just based on geography and just everything at play. Um, and it, 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 right? Like, I mean, it, you're, you're not really changing anything. No. And that, that's what I think is really special about coach Campbell is he, he, even before he got here, he had a really good model of how you could win college football games at Iowa State. Um, and you know him well enough. We, we're constantly tweaking and adjusting and making changes and trying to get a little bit better in, in every single area. 
but that doesn't mean the fabric or the identity of who we are has to change. Um, now, certainly we've got to improve and we got to adjust and sometimes we make mistakes and you got to try to figure out why that occurred. Um, and certainly recruiting is an area that we've constantly got to look inwards and evaluate ourselves and figure out how we can get better. And can we ever get in the top 10? Man, probably not, like you said, but we, we ought to strive to, right? Yeah, and we absolutely. ought to try it yeah. um, and see where we can take it. And we ought to try to fill the roster with the best players we can find. Um, but that doesn't mean we ever have to change who we are because that identity and that fabric of, of what we created here has done a lot of awfully cool things over the last six years, and it can continue to do that moving forward. So talking about um, all that stuff, you just mentioned Coach Campbell. I mean, I've had conversations with you guys about how you deal with this as far as recruiting goes, and he is – it doesn't matter. I, I, I often joke, I mean, the – Seattle Seahawks job could come open tomorrow and, and a writer's going to put Matt in there. He has no connection to it, whatever. Matt's just one of those guys that gets thrown out for every job. A lot of it because he's at Iowa State and these national guys don't. Well, why would he want to stay there, right? Like that's, that's just right. how it's looked at. How do you guys deal with that personally with these recruits? Because it has to come up. They're not dumb. They're not they're, – they read the news. You know, they read yeah. Twitter. What is that? What are those conversations like when those rumors are swirling everywhere? Fortunately, it's happened for so long now that we've got a lot of proof that those rumors don't mean anything. Yeah. Um, and and to be honest with you, we we handle it really open, honest, and transparently. Um, and if a young man or his family ever wants to ask Coach Campbell that question, which they do a lot, he'll answer it and he'll tell them all the reasons he loves Iowa State what his goals are, what his ambitions are, um, what our plan in the immediate and short-term future, long-term future is. Um, and you handle it with honesty and transparency. And those questions are going to come up every, any job you're in forever. And that's what people forget to talk about is like all these other coaches who may be saying that against us. Well, there's a lot of people that left this year that nobody thought we're going to leave. Mm-hmm. There's people fired every year that nobody thinks are going to be fired. So um, there are no guarantees and the schools that try to use that as a negative recruitment, it kind of is like, man, is that really the strategy you want to use? And on our end, we just are who we are. And like I said, there's been five or six years now of having that conversation, talking a kid through why Iowa state is such a good fit for coach Campbell, allowing him to have that conversation and answering any questions the family has. And um, really by the end of that conversation, in almost all cases, that young man's at ease and excited about the future. Is there part of it that's a positive too? I mean, I mean, yeah, I think it's certainly, (laughs) I enjoy having that part more so than that coach might not be there because of the other reason. Um, And and you've done that. And we've done, yeah. (laughs) So it's, um, if if people are talking about your head coach leaving and getting new jobs, it's a compliment because they're doing a good job and it's because exciting stuff are happening. So it is certainly a positive in some regards. All right. Is before I get to this class is recruiting. So like we're, we're doing this podcast via zoom. We would have never done that before COVID. I, one of my thoughts was, man, this is going to be a good thing for a school like Iowa state because you could like, now we can zoom with this Texas prospect after his game that I just streamed and watched. You don't have to be on a Friday night um, in Waco, Texas to watch a kid when Iowa State has a game in 
Stillwater, whatever. You can still kind of recruit and have the interpersonal communication. Is that still, is this like more of a tool that we just used during COVID when we couldn't be around people or is it enhanced what you do? I, I think it certainly enhances and whether it's Zoom, whether it's FaceTime, whether it's social media videos, um, graphics, like you're saying, streaming and watching a young man play and then be able to talk to him on the phone after the game about how the game went. Um, I think those things are all enhancements. And ultimately, it comes down for us to provide the information about who we are and share our story and kind of deliver that experience of what playing at Iowa State's like and in the process build the best relationship you possibly can with the kid and his family. So all of those things you mentioned certainly help us do that. And COVID was a little bit of, um, you kind of had to figure it out. You didn't have the time to sit there and wait and, and think of all this stuff. You kind of had to figure it out on the fly. And there's stuff that we had to do during COVID that kind of became permanent. And then there's certainly, we signed a recruiting class. Um, Miles Purchase and Bo Freiler are both really good football players and who played a lot as true freshmen, the first time they ever saw Iowa State was the day they moved into college. Um, wow. I certainly am glad we don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, guy like Jalen Knoll signed with us, but he would, he had been here prior to COVID kind of hitting. So there's a good portion of that group that never even visited Iowa State before they uh, enrolled here. And I'm glad that doesn't have to happen, but certainly there are some things that COVID forced us to use that have been – kind of long-term benefits you mentioned the the videos and stuff i'm kind of going through this right i for the longest time i was like the young guy in this business and now i i'm old all of a sudden it's like i don't know what um twitch is and i got people telling me like oh you need to be on snapchat and all this like how do you guys keep it fresh <laughs> i guess because it's it's constantly evolving like um yeah. how do you how do you do that to appeal to these it, guys it's hard um and no doubt. And I'll be lying to you if I said I like love social media. Um, so I think with all of those different things, you kind of got to almost view it as like, what's the cost? What's the benefit? How many different platforms do we want to have to use? Mm-hmm. Um, what's your target audience? Are you trying to put stuff out that's going to get clicks and going to get views and going to grow your fan base? Are you trying to get stuff delivered that's going to hit home with the 30 to 35 recruits you're trying to really get to. Um, what is the goal? So I think it's hard and you got to kind of blend all of it. Um, we'll do a lot, certainly on social media that hopefully the masses see and helps build our fan base. And we try to open up our team and our staff to the fan base. And we'll also do a lot of stuff kind of more direct to recruits of this maybe is not something that's going to be great publicly but mom and dad are really going to enjoy watching this yeah um so there's all those different things but i think anything that you put out and you really feel like is going to be impactful in the recruiting world there is such a large array out there on social media that you've got to send that directly to the kid too you can't just assume everyone will see it all right let's uh let's get to the nitty-gritty and talk a little bit about the class that you guys just signed we won't go through person by person because that would keep us here forever but again it was the I mean statistically the number one class in the history of Iowa State football I'll give you my favorite guy I don't know him as well as you do Hunter Deo my main man Lewis Central Hawkeye 10 Western Iowa dude is a beast watched him win a state championship it was fantastic that's my guy 
That's uh, I'll, I'm going to start his fan club right now. What do you think? You, you should. Hunter, Hunter's a, he's a great player. Um, he's an awesome kid. He's a tough kid. Loves football. Played both ways. Like you said, won a state championship. Um, has overcome a lot of adversity. Um, he's a great teammate. He's a great son. He's a great brother. Um, and he kind of was caught in some BS this summer and handled it like an absolute pro, um, which says a lot about his character. And um, we're certainly excited for him to be here in June, ready to roll, and he will be. He's a he's a big dude. Watching him, I, I got to see him play a couple times this year, and he and I just fell in love with him every every, every time I watched him play even more. I also thought it was fascinating. I don't want to be the uh, cliche, just go straight to the quarterback. But Rocco Betch coming in, you've got two guys in your quarterback room with NFL pedigrees, which I think is kind of cool. It is. It is. So, yeah, Rocco's coming up from Florida, and um, he's actually here already. And his father, Anthony, played in the NFL for a long time. It was a first-round pick. And um, so certainly good bloodlines there. And he, he's been really impressive already in a short amount of time here. Um, he's mobile. He's got a good arm. He's a leader. He's a competitive. He loves football. He went through the camp circuit last year um, that, that a lot of quarterbacks do and really kind of raised the level of what people thought about him, which was really – kind of cool and rewarding for him. Um, we believed in him for a long time. He really believed in himself. And to be able to go kind of compete against the top quarterbacks in the country and mm-hmm. shine the way he did, um, I think was really rewarding and, and well-deserved for him. All right. Give me – we got some great Iowa kids in this class. That was – I think five Florida guys, four Iowa guys. Is it um, – talk to me about recruiting Iowa. Obviously, it's always been a – priority for you guys but it does seem like it's picked up in recent years where you're you're getting more guys from the state yeah it, it is a it is a tremendous priority um that is the first literally in every recruiting cycle the first group of players that we watch are from the state of iowa and then any player that we're recruiting from the state of iowa um everyone's got these different area coaches and, and recruiting coaches and that's all great and it's all really important but coach campbell is going to be deeply involved with any young man that we recruit from iowa so um to be able to sign the group that we did last year we're really excited about jacob and will are here are already um the two linebackers and they're kicking butt and doing a great job and then gabe and, and hunter will be here in june so we think they're going to be able to give us a really good foundation they're all from winning programs. Um, they've all played multiple sports in high school. They're all guys that are big, strong dudes um, who are tough. So, yeah, we're really excited about that, and that will always be where we get everything started in each and every recruiting year. And it is really competitive. There's more and more guys who are being recruited at Division One level. Seems like it's it. Yeah, it's unique. we got two Power 5 programs and not a huge state, plus all the surrounding states are really coming and recruiting Iowa. So, it's great for kids. It's great for college football in this region. Not only do we have the two power five teams, we got one of the best FCS programs in the country right here in Iowa. So um, it is pretty unique. And I think it's pretty cool for the state of Iowa in all honesty. Yeah. I remember when I started with scout, it seemed like there were maybe two or three guys every year who were really wanted. Like it would be, well, if we've got a couple of spots left, right. Maybe we'll offer this guy and, you know, in January, but it's not, why, why is that? I mean, is it, 
you've been around long enough. Do, you, do we have better coaches now? Like what? what yeah, I, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, I think it probably helps that as you have two growing programs that are succeeding at a high rate and becomes a commitment to recruiting. And I'm sure there were a lot of guys um, prior to these last few years that probably went to FCS schools that deserve to play at a higher level. Rico um, Gafford so, comes to mind. He's in the NFL now. Exactly right. Um, so that's probably an example of maybe – just that commitment to recruiting the state ha has grown a little bit. Um, certainly places like Des Moines are growing at such a rapid rate, and the, the more population is going to be, the more um, Division One talent. And then I think there are a lot of avenues that we now have to find players and um, all these different camps that go on in the, in the spring and all this different seven-on-seven -seven that's happening. It's really benefiting kids, I think, um, as far as being discovered. Well, okay, give me um... – this is always my favorite question to ask. Give me a couple sleepers from this class. Who's who's not getting talked about enough? Yeah, I, I would say, um, man, that is a great question. Uh, number one, Cartavius Norton um, was a running back that, that committed. He was one of the later commitments, came up for a game, was at the Okie State game, actually. Um, he's a running back from South Georgia in an area that um, plays really, really high-level competition. I think he's going to be a really good player. Okay. Um, man, everyone should be excited about the defensive end that we actually got committed either on or the day before signing day, Tommy Hammond um, from from outside of Minneapolis. He's a guy that came to our camp this summer. Dude, he um, looks like a the end. If I ever yeah, see he, had a, he had a great day <laughs> and really impressed us and only continued to do so as we went throughout the season. Um, so he's going to be a great player. And then a guy that nobody's talking about at all is a defensive end from Kansas City, Ikenna Uzogu, um, who, man, he, he looks how they're supposed to look. He's tall, he's long, he's a good basketball player. Um, he's got a lot of ability, and he's a great kid. I, I think he'll be a really good pass rusher at Iowa State here one day soon. Not to put too much pressure on him, but he's got very Will McDonald-like measurables. Hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> he does. Like a six six two twenty is what two four seven has. I don't know what Will was, but it, it was something Will similar. Was about, Will was probably one ninety five at that time. Oh well, then this kid's even better. Yeah, <laughs> so we're excited about him for sure. Okay. Um, last couple things for you. So where are we at right now? So for for folks with two thousand twenty three, I can't ask you about individual prospects, but. This is a deal now where you guys are basically the board's done. You know your targets. You're zeroing in. Get them in in the spring and the summer, and that's when commitments will start picking up. Yeah, we'll try really hard over. So the month of February um, is a dead period, so recruits can't visit any campuses. So things slow down a little bit during this month. And then March, April, May, um, it'll pick up pretty heavily, and that's when kids will come, start coming back, watch spring practices, um, middle of April, we can go out on the road and do the spring evaluation period. And then for us at Iowa State in June is when our summer camps and our summer official visits happen. So the 2023 board, like you said, is it's set in some ways. Obviously, um, that's fluid and that's changing literally every day. Um, but we've at least kind of identified exactly who we're recruiting as of today, and that'll continue to, to update as we go. But, yeah, certainly this spring into June and July is really heavy recruiting time when a lot of guys will start making decisions. All right, brother, very informative. 
appreciate it. We we educated a lot of people on recruiting today. I mean, this, this is this is good too because I think that it gives a lot of the more casual fans a, a look at how this thing works. And there's a lot more casual Iowa State football fans now than there were 15 years ago, thanks to you guys. So keep up the good work. All right, pal. Well, that's good. We need them all and, and certainly appreciate everything they do for us.